Hey everyone, it's your host of See Jurassic Right, Stephen Ray Morris here, just dropping in to say, I hope you've been enjoying all the new episodes in 2023 and 2024 so far. There are new interviews with filmmakers, musicians, scientists, the screenwriter of Land Before Time, audio essays about the rich history of the Jurassic Park and Jurassic World franchise, and all the news about the upcoming animated show Jurassic World Chaos Theory and the as-of-yet untitled Jurassic World sequel coming next summer. I really need your help supporting the show right now, and you can do that by leaving a tip and or giving a monthly follow on Patreon, patreon.com slash There are $1 and $5 tiers, but more is coming. Sharing the show, giving five-star reviews in Apple Podcasts, and liking and commenting on social, at Stephen Ray Morris on Instagram and Twitter, goes a long way to help boosting the show's visibility again online in this new era. I'm an independent podcaster and your support is so important and means the world to me in keeping this podcast running. Link to the Patreon is in the show notes. Hold on to your butts. Thank you. And now on to the show. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to See Westworld Right. This is where we get into the TV show, season one. Oh my, y'all, I just watched the first season, finished it yesterday. First, first things, a couple things up top. We're still, we're still premiering. What's the right word for it? We're still, we're still going to do season two before season three premieres Sunday, March 15th, but... And my original plan anyways was to always split up season one and two because just the kind of the things I've heard about season two kind of not being as good as season one. I don't know. These are things I've heard. I truly have avoided spoilers for the most part about what's coming up ahead. But I will say that Westworld season one might be the most perfect first season of any television show I've ever seen. Maybe Gravity Falls uh, or Top of the Lake. Uh, Marcella, Ugh. there's a lot of great first seasons of TV shows. Hell, I would even say the first season of X-Files is charming as hell. But if you're here, you listen to the first episode of this See Jurassic Right spinoff pod, uh, where I talked about the original Michael Crichton uh, written and directed movie in 1973. Well, flash forward 40 years later, I guess. Oh, yeah, over 40 years later. 
Oh, God, I hope I'm doing my math right. Yeah. Um, the Westworld season one or Westworld, the TV show, uh, the original season premiered on HBO in October of 2016. So this team who put it together is Jonathan Nolan and Lisa Joy. Lisa Joy, you know her work from Pushing Daisies and Burn Notice. Jonathan Nolan, you know him as Christopher Nolan's brother. Uh, person of interest. Is he actually Christopher Nolan's brother? I don't actually know. He, oh, of course he is. Anyway, so you have this great team. You got Bad Robot and JJ Abrams, like pre- production team behind it. You have the original Michael Crichton film. There was also, and I will definitely, I'm digging Westworld so much. I definitely want to do an episode on, um, of this sub, sub C Jurassic Right podcast. Uh, Future World, which Michael Crichton didn't direct, um, and then Beyond Westworld, excuse me, which is the TV show, but um, a very short-lived TV show back in the early 90s, I think, or late 80s. No, I think late 80s. That only aired like four episodes or something like that. But anyway, we're here to talk today about Westworld Season 1. So again, premiered in October of 2016. It was 10 episodes. By the way, this is all going to contain spoilers and it's going to be a jumble because I can't even, I'm, my mind, you know, I'm, I'm glitching out. I'm going into one of my reveries, but yeah, I'm going to be spoiling all the stuff for season one. I'm not really going to go and recap everything and stuff. You can go read recaps and things on Wikipedia. Obviously, if you're listening, hope not, I mean, I, I definitely think there's going to be plenty of listeners who have seen season one of Westworld. So I think you should be able to follow along. But in general, I'm going to talk more about the themes and just the moments and the characters and stuff like that. Again, just sort of providing my kind of raw, you know, reactions to season one. Uh, and it's also the most watched first season, uh, of any TV show on HBO, which is really interesting. So. I mean, again, to set up Westworld, the the TV show, Westworld, the TV show, it's basically the same plot as the original there, the original movie. There is a theme park called Westworld where visitors can pay, spared no expense, can basically go and pay to live out their fantasies inside the past um, in the safety of Westworld. Essentially, you go and you can shoot and you can fuck and you can do whatever you want inside Westworld and the people that you interact with uh, are robots and essentially, but what the TV show, I mean, the TV show goes to a whole nother level as far as uh, sort of expressing that realism of the robots to the point where, you know, who's, who's the real human and who's the real robot. But what's so exciting about that to me was that in Michael Crichton's original movie, those questions were there. Those, themes were there those kind of the original westworld is like an 80 minute sort of speaking of reverie it, the the original movie is a is an 80 minute fever dream whereas the westworld tv show at least in this first season truly takes the concept and and what i love about the tv show is it incorporates Jurassic Park, it incorporates Sphere, Terminal Man, even a little Andromeda Strain. Like, it, like, if you love Michael Crichton, I, I, it just was so cool to see Michael Crichton's work fully realized on screen in a way that I, I think this Westworld TV show 
at least this first season, is the best adapted Michael Crichton work since Jurassic Park. I truly think as far as greatest Michael Crichton adapted works, I think you have Jurassic Park and Westworld. I think they're equally both up there. Obviously, I love Jurassic Park. It's a big, you know, obviously I love Jurassic Park more, but I was so impressed and so delighted by Westworld in every way. The twists, the turns, it's it's a show that is is every, you know, every episode is going to make you go, what? Um, and let me just run through the cast really quickly. You have Evan Rachel Wood as Dolores. She's the key to everything. She is a host, which is what they call the robots in Westworld. She is troubled and you can see she's starting to maybe think that, you know, the world that she's living in, you know, that there is, there is invisible forces at play making her daily life. Uh, you know, it, it's not, not everything is what it seems. Uh, and oh, gosh, it's, it's very much, I love that the, that the first season has this kind of like groundhog day in the matrix vibe. And yeah, there's so much of that. And oh, well, I should say really quickly that for Westworld first season one, and I'm going to do it for season two and season three is I basically took a notepad and there's basically a page for each day or each day for each episode, uh, just a, some thoughts, some doodles, some observations, things like that. So I'll, I'll go, I'll, you know, that's going to be kind of my backbone for this discussion, but I will also post a picture of this online as well too. So just keep that in mind, you know, again, I mean, truly it's foolhardy to try and encapsulate all of the first season of Westworld in this short little podcast. This, I'll just recap the first season. I mean, at one point I was like, I'm going to do the first and second season in one episode. I don't have time, but y'all, I'm going to make time because yeah, I just, I, every episode was so delightful and it just kept getting better, you know, as the show went on for the first 10 episodes. But yeah, so you have Evan Rachel Wood as Dolores, um, you know, this sort of seemingly innocent character who is unraveling and you have Thandie Newton as Maeve, who mm, her journey, Thandie Newton is truly brilliant. And you root for her, even when she's making some questionable choices and stuff like that. She's so great as Maeve, who is a brothel owner in the town of Sweetwater, where Sweetwater is kind of like the hub world. If you're thinking about it, it's like um, a Hyrule cat or like uh, Hi the Hyrule castle basically, or like, or no, it's more like the Kuriko village. Eh, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to explain it in video game, but it's basically the place where when humans, when visitors who are paying to go to Westworld, they start out at Sweetwater and then the map expands from there. It's, I mean, there's so, there's a lot of video game stuff too. breath of the wild, Although, although I don't think Breath of the Wild had been out yet by the time this came out, but any just like open world game, um, you start in Sweetwater, which is where Dolores, she's the rancher's daughter, Evan Rachel Wood, and then Thandie Newton is Maeve, the brothel owner, and she's the one that kind of runs the brothel and the bar, um, and, and all that stuff for the new visitors. And then you also have Jeffrey Wright, who's Bernard, who is basically, he's like the chief, Mm, he's like the chief guy. I mean, he's not like the boss or anything, but he is the, uh, he's basically in charge of like maintaining the robot updates because in Westworld, they obviously are updating the hosts and stuff. You know, it's like they're trying to make them more realistic each time. And that's kind of how the story starts is, 
essentially they've added a new update to the robots to to make them more lifelike uh, called reveries but they kind of have some unexpected consequences again there's a lot of this stuff of like you know ai and learning and stuff like that and bernard um again jeffrey wright is such a genius and you know he has a tragic backstory of a son who died and you know that's what leads him to be obsessed with the you know the host and truly him and uh evan rachel wood their characters are kind of two sides of the same coin sort of thing in their obsessions and stuff like that so and then you have james marston who uh, he, he he i feel like people always underestimate him but he plays teddy and I'll spoil this up front. It, you you kind of think so. The original Westworld basically revolved around this idea of like two, you know, one newbie and one guy who's like obsessed with the game. There's James Brolin and the original Ben Barnes in this version, and it's like one person's like, "You can do it. I'm gonna kill. I'm gonna fuck. I'm gonna do whatever." And then you have the newbie uh, Peter in the in the original movie who comes to town and he's going to play it, you know, he's treating it like it's real kind of thing. Cause he's a good, he's a good person or whatever. Uh, and so I love that at the beginning, you kind of think that that's going to be James Marsden, but they quickly dispel all the tropes and truly uh, just Teddy is Teddy becomes not what you, it's that thing of like playing roles and stuff. And so much of, so much of Westworld about from the host perspective, from the robots perspective is this idea of being stuck in these roles or these loops and how they break them and how they circumvent them and how they're trapped in them and how they try to escape them and stuff like that. And it's so good. And then you have, uh, Ingrid, uh, Bolso, uh, uh, Burdell as Armistice. Um, oh yeah, she's, that's more of a, I'm just reading from this Wikipedia from the cast. And I love that she's, Armistice is kind of a side character, but she gets some really cool moments in the later of the season, but she plays like a, uh, she's a snake tattoo covered host who, ha- who just gets to be like kind of a badass in this. Um, you have Luke Hemsworth playing, uh, Ashley Stubbs. He's kind of like the head of security, not security, but like head of control of the park, like operations. Like he kind of makes sure things are safe and in order. And, you know, once, you know, if hosts start to get out of hand, he's going to go in there and take care of business. And one of my favorite things in the world, Luke Evans does it. Luke Evans, uh, Chris Evans does it in sunshine it's the kind of sympathetic meathead and i think luke hemsworth plays it so well as like oh this is a meathead guy but like there's just something kind of sad and gentle about him on the inside and he's not he's definitely not um i mean he's more major than somebody like armsis but he definitely he gets some great moments to shine but I, i hope i hope we get more of him in season two but more on that later and then you have Simon uh, Quarterman as Lee Sizemore, who is he's the diva designer, the project runway. Like, what is this bullshit? What do you, you know, this like um, what's the guy in Entourage, you know, just the like throwing the fits and I'm an artist and, you know, all this stuff, uh, that kind of thing. He's the diva, but he's way, uh, way um you know, he's way out of his league and he he's but a small fish in the in the larger story. Oh, I think, yeah, Rodrigo Santero's Hector, who's another like Armistice. Uh, he's another one of the kind of minor players, but that he gets some some cool screen time and some cool moments in it. And let's see. Um, oh, yeah. Angelina 
Seraphine as Clementine. Again, another, she is one of the sex workers in the brothel and she plays some really important pivotal roles and gets some really cool and create in, in just wild moments later in the season. Again, what's so great about the show and what's so interesting, again, it has this kind of like groundhog day sort of thing where you're kind of seeing new facets and seeing new things happen with these characters. So nothing is ever what you never, what you expect. All right. And then one of my faves, Shannon Woodward as Elsie Hughes. And she is sort of the understudy to Bernard, to Jeffrey Wright. And I just relate to her so much. And to me, a big part of what I love about Westworld is kind of the workplace politics and stuff. I mean, this could be any company. I mean, I worked at Disneyland. That was my first job working in startups, things like that. It's you get those vibes from the people that are around you from, you know, from Jeffrey Wright, who's like this sort of, you know, troubled genius, you know, in the office who you admire and look up to, but he's moody and not everybody likes him. And then you have, you know, uh, like Simon Quarterman, who's like the diva and who will throw a fit, but he's, you know, it's cause he's insecure. And, uh, yeah. And whereas like, uh, Elsie is kind of just seeing there, kind of like peering and taking it all in and trying to get hers. And uh, it's so sad what happens to her. Anyway, um, and then you have Ed Harris as the man in black, who, if you remember from the original movie, Yul Brenner plays like the like sort of the inspiration for Terminator and for Jason. But the man in black in this Westworld is very different. And it's such an inversion of what you expect, not only from from because again it's the westworld deals with this idea it's like if you were just given free reign to do whatever you want to basically be a god in this world where you can shoot and kill anything and they can't hurt you well what happens when you've mastered that game you know the kind of boredom and the type of malaise you know a big theme of westworld is not only of you know of kind of toying with the notion of what is human consciousness and what creates at what point do you become conscious as a human? And is that what makes you human? There's a really interesting thing that Anthony Hopkins who plays Robert Ford, the creator of Westworld and then in the sort of, he's the one that creates all the stories and works with the host. You know, he's essentially the, the, you know, the original creator of all of this. And he mentioned something about how, like when, like cavemen when they first started thinking they thought that the voice in their head was like you know that internal consciousness was they thought it was like a god or they thought it was like voices talking to them they didn't realize it was their own internal thinking and i'd love to hear where that's actually from i don't know i don't know what that's from but uh i love that idea maybe they invented it for the show but that's such an interesting theory and yeah so much of you know, again, it's that idea of like, who's really human, the human or the robot? Like, that's the whole thing that drives it's it's such a big part of driving of the show. But it's done in such a beautiful way that feels fresh and doesn't feel obvious, you know, and stuff like that. So I thought it was really cool. I mean, it's all really cool anyway. But yeah, Ed Harris is the man in black is definitely not. It's really an inversion of of the original Westworld Man in Black, the Yul Brenner character. And again, Anthony Hopkins is Robert Ford, the creator of the park. He's like the he well, Steven Spielberg said that of of John Hammond, you know, Richard Attenborough in Jurassic Park, you know, Steven Spielberg said the book Hammond is is the dark side of Disney. But Spielberg couldn't do that to his uh, to his Hammond, you know, because I, I mean, played by Sir Richard Attenborough. He just has so much heart and hope and, and naivete and dreaming in his eyes. Anthony Hopkins, 
he's the dark side of Disney. Oh, and though, and you, and Anthony Hopkins is one of the greatest actors of, of all of cinema because, and not even cinema of playwriting or what, you know, playwriting of, of all of, of any acting performance. He, because he truly is a madman, but you, you never want to really think he's evil or, or gone. And he's maybe he's not, he's gone beyond the pale. Oh, so good. And then, as I mentioned before, Ben Barnes is Logan, who basically he's the person who I wrote down in my notes at some point that that person who takes board games way too seriously and, you know, is just an app like too seriously in the sense that it's like he gets lost in it. And it's just like, you know, this is a game and I'm going to, you know, I can do it like maybe not takes it too seriously, but just as like is you know what's the right word for it but he just is like none of this matters so i'm just going to do whatever i want you know which could be infuriating so i i guess maybe it's the kind of the opposite of people who take games too seriously but he is just a pure psycho and such a fun ugh, this might be my favorite ben barnes role too he's so good i mean again all he wants to do is have sex and shoot things it's great and then we have Clifton Collins Jr., mm, real MVP here as Lawrence, who kind of, he's kind of a side character, but he has these moments of grace and moments of clarity that I think are really interesting for a host that is sort of, he's not a host that, that questions his reality necessarily. Um, and then you have Jimmy Simpson as William, who, so if Ben Barnes is the guy that's the psycho, it's, Jimmy Simpson, who's the Peter character from the original Westworld. And I'll say this now, I guess there are some hints that the original Westworld movie actually takes place in the same storyline, kind of like how in Jurassic World, obviously Jurassic Park happened. So there's some hints in the show that the original Westworld movie also happened uh, in this Westworld movie or TV show. And William is kind of the naive character who kind of is like, yeah, like, I don't know if I could shoot somebody. They, they look real. They bleed. You know, that's the thing. The hosts in this, in this Westworld, I mean, you know, people are getting scalped and their guts are getting ripped at like truly, <laughs> you know, if you don't know it was a, if it was all fake, you might believe it's real. I mean, and so he's kind of that like starry eyed person who you look through their eyes. But again, his journey, whew, that really, really punches you in the gut. And, uh yeah his his story ends not what you think it's gonna end and then i didn't know tessa thompson was in the first season that really threw me for a loop uh that was really surprising um and yeah she's basically she's basically one of the executive board members of delos which is the company that uh, uh owns westworld or, or runs westworld and so she shows up in season one just to kind of be like hey guy like because again, so much of Westworld is just this kind of workplace, office place drama. As 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 hosts, as robots are learning, the, like coming alive and co- becoming conscious, and uh, and everyone's kind of working out their demons. And you know, Char- uh, Charlotte is kind of just there on business. Like, look, we gotta we gotta meet those numbers. You know, these are you know. I know you think these animals are just uh, numbers on a spreadsheet, but they're alive. Like Charlotte is just like, no, we need to get the numbers up. We need to have people stop fucking around and letting their personal lives wreck their job kind of thing. It's really cool. She comes in later in season one. Oh, I totally skipped. Uh, I to- I have this paper printed up in front of me. I totally skipped Sidze Babbitt N- N- uh, Nutson. 
K.N. Knudsen as Teresa Cullen. She's basically the head of like, I don't know, everyone keeping their shit together of like, she's like the Claire of of Westworld. She's so great. Such an underappreciated part of just trying to keep everything together. <laughs> but it's like, I mean, again, I like all the workplace stuff because it is like you have crazy bosses. You have all the outside pressure of this thing being perfect. You're just trying to you're just trying to keep it all afloat. And she's just and she makes it look easy. That's what's so great um, about Teresa. And I was really sad to see her go, even though you don't always root for her. Uh, I guess I just spoiled that part. <laughs> um, some really underappreciated characters are Ptolemy Slocum. What up? He's a friend of a friend, so I was excited to see him. Uh, and then uh, uh, Leonardo Nam. They play Sylvester and Lutz. They're basically like the the Rosencrantz and Guildenstern-ish of Westworld because there's all these jobs that are involved in keeping this park alive. I mean, you have the people creating the story, you have the people managing the park. It's so much like dress work. Um, you have people designing the the hosts, the robots and stuff, programming them. And then you have like the cleanup crew. And so that's essentially what Sylvester and Lutz are. You know, they're part of the cleanup cl- crew doing the surgeries on the host to like get them back in working order for the next day. And they have a huge storyline with Thandie Newton's character who essentially Essentially, you know, because the main thrust of the show is Dolores kind of spreads this idea of consciousness and existential crises amongst the hosts. And so Thandie's the one who's the sort of, you know, it's the Viva La Revolution. It's the it's that Futurama episode, you know, where the robots decide to rebel. I mean, you know, but it's done with this type of like fiery uh, panache, like Thandie Newton's so brilliant at it. And yeah her way of trying to escape and get out of the park and maintain control of her own life and have that free will that humans have. Uh, she, it goes through these two, these two schmuck characters down in the basement, Sylvester and Lutz. And it, I mean, Dolores's story truly is the heart of it and how she discovers her own journey and where, how she breaks free of the loop is really the heart and soul of Westworld. You know, the idea of, you know, ultimately what, Westworld or one of the main driving is this idea that the robots can't hurt the humans. And so when somebody breaks that, you know, does that, you know, one of the main quotes from the, which I forget where it's quoted from, maybe from the Bible. No, I think it's King James. No, King, not King James Bible, but Shakespeare, you know, these violent delights have violent ends. Like truly that's the quote for this show or the first season anyway, you know, this, this violence and this chaos and the moment that the host, that the robots have become sentient. Like, are we okay with doing that anymore? It's so much, of, you know, about the subjugation of, of building progress on the backs of people and sort of ignoring the people that were leaving scattered in our wake, you know, the pe- the people who are the sacrifices for progress and future and stuff. And so, you know, Evan Rachel with Dolores, like truly is her and Bernard story is truly the heart and soul of Westworld, but Thandie Newton's like revolutionary like storyline for me in season one is like the most exciting. And I will say with all these actors, I stood up and cheered for every one of these actors at one point or another. Like there's just so many moments where you're like, yes, you know, like, Oh, like they're just so good. Who else can I say? Um, I mean, 
maybe other people will come up, but those are kind of the main, those are the main folks in this first season. But I mean, everybody was great. Yeah. But okay. Wow. That was like 30 minutes just on introducing all the characters. So let's take a break and then let me get into my thoughts of all the episodes. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. All right, and we're back. Westworld season one is comprised of 10 hour long episodes, except for the last episode, which is an hour and a half. It's a, it's longer than the original Westworld movie, which is wild. Uh, episode one, the original episode two, Chestnut, episode three, The Stray, episode four, Dissonance Theory, episode five, Contrapasso, episode six, The Adversary, ap- episode, episode seven, Trump, Trump, Leo Lay, uh, uh, you got it. Uh, episode eight, Trace Decay. Episode nine, The Well-Tempered Clavier. And episode 10, The Bicameral Mind. Um, and I'm just going to bring this up top. I'm going to say this now before we get into the episode and my observations and everything. The soundtrack by, uh, Ramin Dewadi is comprised of basically, um, honky tonk piano i'm only saying that because i think that's the name of a of like a casio keyboard setting for that like piano sound it's like slightly out of tune you know played in the country saloon and but in the show you can it's played on this like basically like an early version of i mean it was like early version of computers like with these holes stamped out that represented the music notes the player piano that plays automatically so it has you know uh, robots the country music not country music but just like country piano but the i think uh ramen was uh or ramin i have a friend named ramin so i'm wondering if it's ramin because it's spelled the same way uh but it's that thing it because what was in, what was so cool about the original Westworld and I think with the score it kind of carries that theme is that idea that Michael Crichton said that Westworld and the idea of our fantasies of going to the old west going to medieval Rome medieval Rome going to <laughs> going to medieval world going to Roman world your conception of those is not based on what the past was actually like, but your conception of them is based on what you saw in movies and television. So I love that they took that and ran with it for the score in the sense that like these old honky tonk ditties are actually comprised of Radiohead and Soundgarden and Rolling Stones and, and just kind of, 
not classic rock. Obviously, Radiohead is not classic rock. Radiohead kind of comprises the most amount of covers, but just sort of this idea that, you know, I think Ramin or Ramin Ramin says if there can be robots and cowboys together, why not honky tonk piano and you know art rock or college rock or stuff like that and it just kind of grounds in this weird spooky eerie i don't know there's something so brilliant. the score is awesome so i'm just wanted to get some two cents out about that before moving on but yeah the show i mean i'm just gonna bust out my notes here the main thrust of this new westworld show and dolores's story and her journey truly i think the genesis for it was and i said it kind of guessing just from what little I knew from the moment in the original Westworld movie at the very end after Yul Brynner's been defeated, uh, the man in black and Peter is just trying to find a way out and he sees a woman tied up to the rack in the medieval world or whatever. And he tries to give her some water and she shorts out because it turns out that her, through her pain and suffering, Peter thought she was human uh, when in fact she was not. And I truly, and I, I truly, truly, and I haven't watched any interviews about the show yet. I'm just trying to avoid any potential spoilers for season two now, you know, intermingled with season one. So I just kind of have avoided looking uh, it up too much. But I, I truly think that is the, that was the inspiration for the show and the idea of, yeah, what if you can't tell the difference between a human and a robot or more more thoroughly and I th they talk about it you know ford's character talks about it with with uh you know bernard and dolores and everybody and and ed harris the man in black it's like is there a difference what makes what at what point does you know are we human or are we not like it's oh, so good so uh <laughs> the groundhog days of our lives and um your work is a reflection of the self who is the man in black i love you dolores <laughs> I haven't actually looked at my notes for these other old episodes in a minute, but a virus is spreading. Imagine this is your office. Uh, we create life itself out of chaos. Uh, I get, I'm not going to read through all these notes. I, I don't know. I'm just going to talk. The notes are going to be too distracting, but I will put these notes up here. I, you know, just to give this some direction so much, like I mentioned up top a little bit. I, oh, sorry. My thoughts. I'm again, I'm, I'm glitching out. I'm full reverie, but. I also think it's really cool because the characters of William and Logan basically kind of mirror the two main characters from the original Westworld. And I kind of love how they weave the events of the original film or the sort of journey that that a newcomer and a and a veteran park uh, visitor would have. Um, but they kind of expand it into different and interesting ways. Um, because again, as I said, there are some references to the original Westworld. And so essentially the whole story is this, the maze and the maze spoiler, I guess the maze is essentially a game for the robots to see if they can become conscious. And so, so, you know, Westworld is doing its thing, you know, they, they have incidents here or there, but this this moment in time which we catch the game is you know 30 years after i don't even think it's after the park was created i think it was after like the last major incident and that's the thing too and i think if you've watched it that there's a lot of timey-wimey stuff happening 
in it so that you are kind of unclear. And again, because of the Groundhog Day element, you are sort of unsure if you're watching a dream or a flashback or flash forward, maybe. I don't know. I don't think there's any flash forwards, but uh, <laughs> so it's, you know, it follows Dolores trying to understand her place in the world. It follows the man in black looking for something, looking for the maze. Um, the maze isn't meant for you. It follows Ford as the old company man who's being pushed out by the the executives who just want things to be played safe. It's very much like the Jurassic Park book in many ways. I mean, there's scenes that are like straight out of like, you know, Bernard, you know, Jeffrey Wright is essentially the Dr. Wu to Ford's Hammond. You know, it's the interplay of, you know, what do the guests want versus like, they don't want reality. They want what they think is reality and stuff like that. And oh, it's, that stuff is played so beautifully. And again, the, the, the whole thrust of the season is Dolores finding out what her purpose is. And so to her to realize, you know, because the only way that any of this happens is these reveries. It's essentially allowing the robots to dream because the most dangerous thing is that is that the robots start to remember all their past lives because you know if you shoot one of the hosts if you shoot a robot they're dead and then they wake up the next day and they're all fine they're back to normal they don't remember what humans essentially have done to them the day before uh but then all of a sudden now that you can start to remember you're starting to create that subconscious as they say in the show oh no (laughs) like the horrors you know and they just do it so well with like you know, and then the tragic backstories that they give the characters and the things that drive them and stuff. And, you know, uh, the show plays so much again with like story and storytelling and I don't want to be part of a story. And so throughout the main, the main thrust of the show, it's Dolores realizing that she's trapped in this narrative and that she truly wants to be free, you know, and it's not a man that can set her free. It's her own, it's, it's doing the one thing that she's not supposed to do. And spoiler, it's kill. Uh, <laughs> um, but I think for her, it's to a greater purpose. That's kind of the, the key to unlock because it's the one thing that, uh, that the host can't do is kill humans. But once they, once they've unlocked that, you know, there's a point because Maeve, Thandie Newton, eventually finds a way to rewrite her programming and, and then starts to rewrite other robots. And, you know, the the Armistice and, and Hector go out of the... They're in the real world and, you know, they just see these, like, schmucks who work down in the bottom basements and they're like, these are gods? And I think they're like, gods are pussies! You know, it's just so, like... You know, there's such a dramatic flair to all of this that's so beautiful. Like, it's perfectly wrought for what it is. This big soap opera, soap opera, this idea that, you know, your life's work. And I mean, I'm just such a sucker for that stuff. The idea of like, you're, you know, what you do in life, your work reflects who you are. And it's, there's that driving force to like be remembered and stuff. And so much of Westworld is really, you know, what's your legacy? What are you leaving behind? What are you creating? What are you destroying? All of that. And so, you know, throughout Dolores is slowly coming to learn her, what her reality is and what she wants out of life. And, you know, to eventually realize that, yeah, she wants to be free. And you, to, and then the way that they, you know, twist, spoiling, twisting the spoiler, uh, spoiling this twist, uh, that the, that the two young men who are visiting the park, William, who's the naive open hearted man 
and then Ben Barnes, Logan, who's the cruel psychopath. He's the he's the Christian Bale and American psycho character. You realize that Dolores, you know, eventually realizes that those events happened because these hosts, they never age. So to her, it's like these moments become indistinguishable. The the moments blur in the stories are repeated so many times. And so very late. I mean, I think it's like the ninth episode where it's like you realize that Ed Harris, the man in black, is Jimmy Simpson, uh, William, and how the game, his obsession with Dolores and how, you know, I fell in love with the robot, fell in love with the robot. Uh, and that drove him to become obsessed to try and play the game that the robots are supposed to play. And so, you know, you learn that again over the series that and what's so interesting because the Westworld, the show was so smart because I think that fake out of like one of the humans is actually a robot. They kind of do a fake twist of that with, with um james marston at the very beginning so you're truly lulled into a sense of like okay these are the hosts and these are the the humans and we're just going to sort of have you know ooh, which one you know again i'm saying it again which one is the human which one is the robot and then when you find out bernard is not only a robot but he was the original partner of anthony hopkins of dr ford but they had a falling out again it's so much like jurassic park and like fallen kingdom with hammond and lockwood and the falling out over the vision because again it was that idea of the uh, disagreement was that like if the hosts if these robots could feel pain, had dreams, had memories, had ambitions. Is it, is it, is it the more, is it the ethical thing to do to keep them in a park like Westworld? And Bernard and Dolores, it, no, it's not. And Ford, though, wants to keep his little kingdom in a box. Uh, and so he is constantly wiping the host's memories because the moment they become conscious, it's like, okay, got to stamp out that revolution. And, and throughout the show, Dolores's self-awareness realizing that this has happened many times before. It's very much also like the matrix reloaded, you know, uh, ever, ever Rachel Woods has her like Neo moment, you know, I know Kung Fu where she's like chopping it up with the man in black, you know, who's supposed to be her savior, you know, who she fell in love with, uh, but then 30 years later comes to realize he's been driven insane by the game and his own obsession because he's lived a hollow life and that who you are, you know, that the, that Westworld and who you are in Westworld is a reflection of who you truly are on the inside. Oh, it's so good. But yeah, I'm hoping I'm keeping the thread here, but the, <laughs> but yeah, just Dolores, this whole, you know, and you know, that idea of like wrestling with the fact that like, oh, can I ever be truly free? Am I always going to be stuck in my programming, you know, of the things that I do without thinking and stuff? And so, you know, with Maeve's storyline, you know, really hoping for the revolution. But then there's this other sort of Matrix Reloaded layer where you're like, wait a minute, is this another game on top of this game? Because the maze was already a game for the rope, you know, for the hosts to play. But is the whole Westworld itself, you know, it and I'm so curious about season two for that purpose. But, um, oh, this is a moment to gather my thoughts. But they're, I don't know. I mean, that's truly what, what Westworld was about. And again, the twist of Bernard actually being Arnold, who was uh, Dr. Ford, you know, Anthony Hopkins' old partner, and how, like, how cruel Anthony Hopkins' character was to sort of create a robot version of his best friend, but one that instead of 
instead of a compatriot and a, and a partner and instead is somebody that he can order around willy nilly at any time. Um, you know, and he thinks he's like, well, you know, we're all working together. And it's like, no, you, you think you're, a, you think you're, you know, yeah, you think you're a God, you know, uh, they bring up the Michelangelo painting, Michelangelo painting of the God and humans touching, but or the fingers touching, but then the observation that, um, behind God is the outline of a human brain, meaning, you know, you are, you know, it all comes from within and all that stuff. But, you know, again, it's, it's Hopkins is, he's Ford ultimately realizes that, yeah, he is, he's not doing the right thing by keeping the dinosaurs in the park. Oh, wait, got, got my wires crossed. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's Westworld truly is like the flip of the coin of Jurassic Park where it can play with, I, I think Jurassic Park plays more with science and nature and hubris of man and ego and stuff like that. And Westworld plays more with kind of our deepest fears and insecurities and our legacies and stuff like that. And, but yeah, you know, Ford realizes that it's not ethical to keep these because again, it's like this idea that's like once the, the, the host can question back, nope, you can't do that. I need to maintain control. And so throughout the series, you see these kind of twisted loops. And I mean, truly like a maze, they talk about human consciousness is not a pyramid. It's a maze that, I think what uh, Jeffrey Wright says as Arnold, the original park creator, not his robot version. I don't know. It's there. There are some. I mean, there's a lot of moments that are purposely left unclear, even as this, you know, even as season one closes, that you're not that aren't answered. But you know, human consciousness is you know is like a maze because at any point you could either get closer or you can spin wildly out of control. Or he says something like that. That's really cool. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I feel like I, I, it, there's, it's too much to try and go into detail with every episode. I'm truly just lying out, spilling my robo guts everywhere, uh, for y'all to listen to, but I'm excited to dive into season two because I mean, it's the thing. It's like the original Westworld was this 80 minute feature film. It wasn't even a Michael Crichton book. It was only a film. And they managed to just extract these little threads here and there and truly make it into this whole other thing in a way, you know, has shades of, again, like I said, the matrix and groundhog day. And I'm really excited. I really want to see, um, uh, Russian doll. Cause that's another kind of groundhog day kind of story. And I'm curious to see more modern takes on that kind of, uh, on that kind of storytelling. Um, you know, there's, there's a bit of like lost, you know, life finds a way and <laughs> you gave me what I needed. Uh, don't fuck with the hop. That's what I said in my notes. Ooh, they even say the word Easter egg in there and stuff. War games. Um, uh, there's so much. I'm just going to the Sims, uh, Digimon. There's there's some Digimon in there too. Uh, you know, again, I'll p- I'm gonna post the photos of my notes on uh, on Instagram and other so- and Twitter and stuff like that. Because th- yeah, it, it's not it, it won't be interesting for me to just read verbatim from these. But I will say that for the last episode, which was an hour and a half, uh, I ended up getting two pages. And there's also this idea too of like Ford thinks he's protecting the robots, the hosts by keeping them in Westworld because it's this kind of like shades of X-Men, you know, would the robots be persecuted and treated differently? It's a little bit of the matrix animatrix, uh, there, you know, if they entered the real world. And so, oh, 
yeah, there's just so much to chew on. I couldn't possibly do it justice in one little episode, but I definitely think uh, just from seeing the reaction of the first episode and see- discovering which of my friends are, are Westworld heads. I'm looking at you, Mara. I'm looking at you, Christina. Um, I'm so, I, I think I just want to maybe do some episodes where I have some people come on and talk about it a little bit more. Cause it's a little bit hard to get it all straight when I'm talking by myself, uh, at nine o'clock at night. Um, I do appreciate the Jurassic Park reference. I mean, obviously thematically and all this kind of stuff, there's tons of similarities to the original Jurassic Park, uh, and a lot to Fallen Kingdom too, which drew a lot from Michael Crichton's original novels, but I really love that Dolores says closer to the end of the season, you know, that this earth, you know, giant beasts used to roam this earth and now they're gone, you know, now they're only in forms of bone and amber. And I'm like, you can't reference amber without referencing Jurassic Park. So I appreciated that. But I had a larger metaphor with this idea that humanity has peaked and now the hosts, you know, the robots are next. And that's kind of where they leave off the first season, because at some point, uh, Maeve has escaped, but then even though she knows that the memories of her daughter who was murdered tragically are a lie, that it's all planted it's all fake. She feels something for, uh, for her. And right at the very end, she's like, she can't bring herself to leave. So, uh, like that's where you leave season one. It's like the park is in shambles because Dolores did the thing. She did the thing. She shot. Anthony Hopkins killed him. But that was the point was, you know, she did the thing and now she's free. So they really leave it in a place where it's just like chaos is about to let loose chaos, chaos theory. Um, I think even in the, the last making of, cause they, you can also watch these short little five minute making of docs at the end of each episode. If you're using the HBO now app, uh, <laughs> yeah. And Bernard says, it's like, things are just left Bernard, Jeffrey, Wright. It's like, you know, things are just left in pure chaos. Robots are out. They haven't quite left what, you know, Westworld home base, you know, in the desert, but you know, the hosts are starting. I mean, literally an army is raised of, of robots at the end of the first season. Where's it going to go from there? And I wrote down a few questions I had that I think I just wanted to bust out before we end it. Um, question season, end of season. And this is why I really wanted to split it into two parts because, uh, I just think, you know, I'm just really excited to watch season three in real time. Like it makes me so sad that I couldn't have watched this in real time. And I think, I couldn't imagine watching season one in real time. I would be so chomping at the bit to like for each week. And, you know, each episode is so jam packed with stuff to talk about that. Yeah. Binging it over the course of a week. It's just, yeah. I mean, you just, I can't quite express it all in that sense, but you know, some of my season one ending questions, do they restart the park? Did the robot with all the data escape? So that's the other thing too, is that Charlotte, Tessa Thompson and Sidzi, who tragically died at the hands of Robo Bernard, um, they were basically, you know, it's this thing of like the, the, the boss has, you know, the original creator of the thing is now bad for business. So we got to oust him, but you know, you oust them gracefully, you make them retire and, and you know, they disappear quietly in the night, never to hurt anyone again. But of course you have to have an insurance plan, but did that insurance plan leave the park? Did they, did Simon, uh, did, uh, Lee Sizemore, uh, did his, 
uh, robot that's filled with all the data of the park and the research because they hint in the show that again it's this it's like Jurassic World it's like Miss Ronnie Global um, Vic Hoskins Vincent D'Onofrio's character is like you think Miss Ronnie's into family fun parks like there's a bigger purpose for this idea of creating hosts and robots at play that they they don't get to in this season they leave it up in the air but you know does that robot escape with all the data what happened to Stubbs uh, Luke Hemsworth character you see him get tackled by uh, some Native American uh, some Native American hosts and you never see him again and you're like you know what where did he go what happened to him does Maeve go back for her daughter but again there's these little moments where is even her revolution a simulation kind of like how ultimately in the matrix reloaded and revolutions the idea of neo and the one is another simulation to sort of keep the loop an even bigger loop so is is the westworld like is the whole operation another layer um what's next for dolores is this revolution does she go off and do her own thing and the oh, the other really cool moment again you know dolores is the heart but man Maeve, Thandie Newton's storyline is so much fun. I mean, there's a, she's escaping Westworld with Lutzen, uh, in the Armistice and, and Hector. And she, they go, they open a door and it's, and you basically see feudal, uh, Japanese warriors. And you're like, what? Like, is there more than, cause in the original Westworld, there's medieval and Roman world, but apparently there's other, worlds out there that they hint at. I know that they go to other worlds in season two. I already know that spoiler, but um, I don't know any of the specifics about it, but the way that they set it up in season one is so good. She's like, what the hell is this? It's like, you don't even want to know, <laughs> like, which is so I They did it. It was played this sort of tease at a bigger thing. Sometimes, you know, we live in a Marvel world of Easter eggs and setting up adventure, bigger adventures for later. I think Westworld sets up its, you know, adventures and follow-up stuff, uh, it sets it up really subtly and well and in fun ways. What happened to Logan? Because at the very end, when William becomes the man in black, he kind of sets off Ben Barnes naked on a horse into the into the sunset, you know, 30 years before the events of Dolores and uh, Maeve's storyline and Ford and, you know, the robo revolution all that stuff that's the main narrative storylines but what happened to him did the original westworld movie take place in this continuity and they i forget which episode it is but at some point bernard um you know before he realizes he's a robot goes down and he's trying to figure out who's trying to sabotage the park and sneak the data out and they that looks like there is like an underground layer that is the original delos like control room or something I, I missed it but and then at the very end they also the 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 control room uh where they kind of monitor the park operations it gets on lockdown at the very end and so they don't really show what happens to that or why well let's and sylvester return you know i love that rosencrantz and gildenstern sort of vibe from them i would love to see the kind of the, the sort of the downton abbey of westworld you know you have the execs up top and then each layer you go down it's just the schmucks cleaning up the blood and the guts and the piss and so good uh is that really what i'm ending on 
these violent delights have violent ends. Yeah, I'm going to be watching Westworld season two this week, so don't spoil it for me. Uh, I'm excited to hear what you think. Have you seen season one? I know a lot of people weren't really into season two. So did did any of you stop here at the end of season one and not move on to season two? Are you going to watch season three? Are you rewatching seasons one and two right now? Let me know what you think. This has been so much fun. My brain is definitely a maze right now and amazed right now hey oh so you will see another episode definitely before uh definitely before monday because i'm gonna start recapping season three each monday week to week as we watch there's only eight episodes in season three thank god uh (laughs) but yeah so right now i'm gonna be binging season two but let me know what you think of season one let me know what you think of this episode let me know if you'd want me to go into some deeper dives of westworld you know each individual episode i think that would be really fun as well too let me know if you love westworld and would want to talk about it because i just want to talk about this show this is i literally hear the like like i just hear like i'm all i've been listening to is that goddamn theme song and it's so awesome anyway i'll talk to you all very soon yeehaw to see Westworld Rat. Just kidding. I'm not going to do that. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.